May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I do not know why Jesus only took three of his disciples with him that day, but I have a sneaking suspicion of what it must have felt like to be one of those three. You know what it feels like, don't you, when you've been singled out as special, when someone kind of pulls you aside from the group and, and says, you know, wow, you know, there's really something going on here. Um, you know, it, maybe you're, uh, if you're a golfer, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you hit this long drive right down the middle of the fairway, you know, and lands right out in the middle and your friends look at you and say, you know, that was incredible, you know, and wh- that was amazing. I mean, that never happens to me, but I can imagine it happens to somebody. Um, and, I, and I know what they would say, you know, all shocks, you know. Even a blind dog finds a bone once in a while, you know. It's not that big of a deal. You know, you kind of deflect the praise. But anyway, you're like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? And, and you feel good about that, you know. Or, or maybe, um, you know, you're somebody's out in the coffee hour, you know, they, they pick up a cookie and they take a bite of it and they're like, this is the this is the most fantastic cookie I've ever tasted in my life, you know. And, and you baked it, you know, and you were right there. And, and, and you know what you do, right? I just threw some flour and sugar together. It's really nothing special at all. But inwardly, you're like, oh, yes, that's all right. And, and, you know, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to take delight in someone taking delight in you. I mean, this is what we were made for, right? That We were made uh, for God to take delight in us and us to take delight in him and one another. And so I can imagine that day, Peter, James, and John, Jesus comes up to them and says, we're going to the mountain today or tomorrow. We're going to go to the mountain, and I want you to come with me. I mean, and I sort of imagine these three fellows who are like, you know, looking around a little bit, you know, you get that? You know, he chose us, right? I mean, it's sort of like when you have that bit of information that you probably shouldn't share, but you can't wait until somebody gives you the opportunity to share it, you know, you're kind of giddy with a little bit of excitement like that. And, and I sort of imagine them in that way. That this must have been a very big moment. But Jesus, of course, has 12 disciples by this time, you know that. 12 close followers, people who had given up their lives to follow him, people who had walked with him and had already been part of his his ministry for um, for some time now. And uh, they probably felt a little differently about these three being singled out. I mean, these men came from various occupations. They were uh, fishermen and farmers, you know. They were carpenters and tax collectors. Um, some of them were, uh, or at least one of them, was a um, sort of a... Uh, a guerrilla warfare specialist, you know, he had a plan. It was a completely different sort of plan. And so their, their view of, of what they're doing and, and their, their approach has got to be, I mean, there's got to be some frustration, I would think. Jesus has invited all of them to leave their lives to find another one, to become part of this mission and, and part of his ministry. I imagine that they imagine themselves to have a future ministry not unlike Jesus's. You know, maybe... Somewhere along the way, they sort of got this sort of, well, you know, maybe there's a, a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, you know. But when they start off with a peasant preacher, I'm not sure that many people were thinking that at the beginning. I wondered if we sort of thought of ourselves, you know, uh, 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 if you had a career as, I don't know, a dentist or a plumber or hairstylist or whatever, you know, that you had built a career and you're, you're doing this sort of thing and, and all of a sudden you decide to give up everything. 
everything to follow this man, this itinerant preacher. It might seem a little strange. Your family might um, need to consult with you and say, hey, this is not a good idea. Don't do this, you know, whatever. Uh, but you do it. You, you, you give up everything and you follow him and you're following him for some time. What would you feel when you see three people singled out and you're not part of that group? How would it feel to be left out of that mountain expedition? We have four sons, as you know. It's always been a concern of, of parents of multiple children um, that you make sure that, uh, that they all feel equally loved and wanted. When we began to have number of children, I, I realized how much, uh, you know, it must have been difficult for my mother to hide the fact that I was her favorite. I mean, that, that had to be a, a real challenge. Um, and, and so uh, here you have Jesus with 12 disciples and, and three that are, that are sort of singled out and, and, and how the, the other night. But maybe there's more to it. You know, maybe there's, maybe we're, we're kind of reading into it. Maybe I was sort of reading into this idea of, of speciality. But when they do get this call to go to the, to the mountain, notice what Peter says to Jesus. As they were leaving, Peter says to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Master. It's a military term. It's not the, often the term that, that, that Peter uses or, or that the others use of Jesus. He speaks to them as, as a commander in this, this sort of military. And, and maybe... Maybe this is for remediation. You know, maybe these aren't the three best disciples. Maybe they're the three most needy disciples. You know, they're the ones that really um, weren't catching on. It's difficult to say. But for sure, there's some problems. Um, verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Peter, John, and James. And, and went up to the mountain to pray. Now, Peter and his command, companions were weighed down with sleep. They go to the mountain to pray, and the three that go with Jesus to pray are weighed down with sleep. It's boring. You know, oh, this prayer thing is just, not, I'm just so tired and wore out. They're bored, and, then, and they're so bored with it that they almost miss this amazing moment, this moment of transfiguration where the glory of God shines upon Jesus, where, where, where Moses and Elijah appear. I mean, the heroes of the faith, they almost miss this. They do wake up in time to see it happen. And this is where Peter said, oh, it, it was good for us to be here. And, and indeed it was good, wasn't it? It was good that they might be there. They are equipped now. They understand more of what it means to follow Jesus. That he does have the glory of God is shining upon him. But Peter can't stop there. He can't just say, Master, it was good. He goes on. This moment is an important moment. This is a moment to be enshrined. He says, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Luke adds, not knowing what he had said. See, the premise doesn't uh, lead to the conclusion. Indeed, it is good for them to be there, but not to enshrine the moment. The reason for them to be there was not to, to make three shrines and, and to go up in this mountain and, and to remember what God has done. This is not the point of the, of the mountain meeting at all. And we know this because as soon as Peter says this, there's this thick, dark cloud. Thick, dark clouds on top of the mountain in the Bible are never meteorological events, right? This isn't, this isn't, oh no, a storm just blew in. 
This is a, a visible manifestation of the power and presence of God. God is upon the people. This is the Holy One. And what happens? They are terrified. Don't you find that interesting that they're terrified? This is what happens in the Old Testament too. Just the, the reflection of God's glory on Moses' face is terrifying to the people. No, we, we can't get it. When people come close to the Almighty, they don't normally jump up for joy in, in the Bible. What they normally do is fall on their face in terror. There's this, this fright, oh my word, I've come into the presence of Almighty God. And they're terrified. And when, then we get a voice. We know whose voice this is, right? It comes from the cloud. While Peter was saying this, a voice said, this is my son, my chosen Listen to him. Listen to him. His words are my words, right? This is my son, my, the chosen one, my beloved. Listen to him. Discipleship is about listening to Jesus. Discipleship is about following Jesus. Discipleship is not leadership. It's followership. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a word? I'll have to check with Nick later. Like, uh, uh, followership. This is about being a follower, not a leader. It's about putting your life, my life, the life of these disciples, behind Jesus. It's about following Him. Why didn't he take all 12 disciples to the mountain that day? I don't know. Perhaps so that we can know that some disciples are left at the bottom of the mountain and some are taken to the top. Some are filled with terror while others sleep comfortably at the bottom of the mountain. It's about following Jesus and not always knowing why he calls us to do the things he calls us to do. Discipleship is not about preparing people to have a career as a national uh, preacher or whatever. It was about preparing these men for martyrdom. Eleven of these twelve men will die as martyrs for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is about following Jesus. I think I've heard that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, When Christ calls someone to follow, he bids them to come and die. Let me read to you chapter 9, verse 51, just a few verses after what we, what we read here. When, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. This is a turning point in Luke's gospel. Jesus sets his face, and some translations have, he sets, it, he sets his face steadfastly for Jerusalem. What awaits Jesus in Jerusalem? The cross. They come down from the mountain and he heads directly to the cross. Um, you know, many of you do anyway, that I went to, a, I went to seminary in this little town in Wilmore, Kentucky. Uh, Wilmore, Kentucky uh, has, um, has a university and a seminary and not, uh, nothing else, you know. <laughs> I mean, a little, a little gas station, um, that's about it. it it's, a, it's a very, very tiny little town um, outside of Lexington, Kentucky. And... When I went to seminary there, I actually lived a long way away, so I had to drive in and out every day. And as I would drive in, I drove in the exact same route every day. So, you know, four or five days a week for uh, 
three and a half years, I'm driving into Wilmore the same route every day. I tried to find another route because I, I'm a person who likes variety in my travels, but there was no other way. You have to pretty much go in this one way. And every day as I go in, there's this big statue of a horse with a man on it. The man is Francis Asbury. I don't know what his horse's name. Anyway, there, here he is mounted upon this large bronze horse, uh, this, this larger-than-life statue. And I looked at the statue every day. Many times I would walk over to the little gas station. I would walk by and maybe I'd grab something to eat and go back and sit by the little statue. You know, I, I've actually touched it, you know, to feel what it felt like. You know, I don't know. Just crazy. But I saw this statue all the time. Went back there. Later did the doctorate at Asbury again. Again, the statue of Asbury on a horse. If you knew who Francis Asbury was, he was the fir- one of the first bishops of the Methodist Church. Um, before that, or more importantly, he was also a circuit rider, as a Methodist circuit rider. In, um, in 1784, there were 15,000 Methodists in the United States. Um, in 1839, there were 750,000, just 55 years later. The growth of Methodism in that time it came about because of men like Francis Asbury, these men who would become circuit riders. They would get on a horse and they would ride in a circuit in the, the frontier of America, in Kentucky, in Ohio, um, in Tennessee, uh, anywhere where people started to push westward. The first thing that would follow the settlers would be circuit riding preachers. And they would show up in a town and preach there and go to the next town and preach there. And they would do this, this little circuit. If you wanted to become a circuit rider, you had to be a, a seriously devout person. You had to be well-trained in the Bible. Uh, you had to realize that the life expectancy of a circuit rider would be about 33 years of age. And since you would probably be well in your 20s when you signed up to become one, that would mean that you signed up for a job that would probably take your life within a decade. And yet, many, many men did it. Um, they, were, they were devout. They were hardworking. But there's a statue of Asbury, the circuit rider on a horse as you're going into Wilmore, Kentucky. And every day I saw that, and I never noticed something about it. That the statue is actually pointing as if it's riding out of town. As if Francis is leaving the seminary, and he's heading up Route 29 towards Lexington or wherever. And one day, a a friend of mine, a professor, says to me, Joe, do you know why Asbury's statue is pointed the way that it is? I said, I didn't notice which way it's pointed. But he says, yeah, it's, it's going away out of town. Of course it is. He said, because Wilmore is the place where you come to be prepared for ministry, and then you leave. The mountain is the place where you go, and you see the glory of God. But not to stay there, not to build a tabernacle and hang out there, but to go and be a disciple following Jesus. We are all called to the same thing. We are all called to be disciples of Jesus, to follow Jesus down the mountain, out of Wilmore, out of wherever it is, on our way to Jerusalem. On our way to the cross. We come down out of this Mount Transfiguration on Sunday. And on Wednesday of this week is Ash Wednesday. It's our, it's our Luke 9.51 moment where we set our face steadfastly for Jerusalem. And we remember what awaits us there. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.